Welcome to the Wild Remedies Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Ancora, and I'm here to bring you captivating stories from some of the most fascinating people I've connected with on my own journey of physical, mental, and spiritual well-being. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Wild Remedies Podcast. Today, we are chatting with Corinne Angelica. She is a former high school teacher turned certified holistic nutritionist, entrepreneur, podcaster, and speaker who empowers women to use food and lifestyle to address the root cause of their hormone imbalances and honor their cyclical nature. We had a really great conversation. um, And the theme is essentially using cycle strategy to stay consistent with your health. We talk about PCOS. We talk about using food and lifestyle to address the root cause of hormone imbalances. A lot of this stuff was super applicable to me. Um, For everyone who's been following my journey on the podcast, I'm in a process of unfucking myself (laughs) in many ways, getting off of all of these pharmaceuticals and stuff that I was on previously. And it's a process. It's really tough. A lot of the issues that we talk about or the solutions that we talk about here relate to so many women because our delicate hormones are disrupted (laughs) in a vast majority of cases from environmental toxins, the foods that we're eating, stress, like just even our daily habits. So there's so much great information in here and so many amazing tips. I was making notes the entire time. So for any guys listening... I mean, definitely pay attention if <laughs> it's like this might not be the episode for you, but you're probably going to want to send it to a uh, woman in your life that is struggling. And I think it's also just important to understand the types of things that a lot of women are struggling with right now. Um, but yeah, great, great information in here. So let's jump right into this episode. Hi, I'm Maddie. Let me tell you a quick story of how I'm supporting my PCOS with Wild Remedies Spice Chocolate Magic Latte. First of all, I'm a registered holistic nutritionist, so you know I'm investing in finding long-term, sustainable approaches to wellness. Living with PCOS, when things are feeling a little out of balance, it's common for me to wake up groggy, have blood sugar crashes throughout the day, or become totally overwhelmed by daily stressors. My morning coffee was causing blood sugar spikes, anxiety, and tummy trouble, so I swapped it for Wild Remedies Spiced Chocolate Magic Latte about a year ago, and believe me when I tell you that the change has been insane. Each sachet has three servings of Wild Siberian Chaga, a powerful antioxidant-rich adaptogenic mushroom that helps to fight inflammation and fatigue and regulate the immune system. It tastes like a creamy hot chocolate with just a hint of spice, and it keeps my stomach calm. Since swapping, I feel more clarity and calm throughout the day, and my morning magic latte helps to set clear intentions for the rest of my day. I save 15% on my monthly subscription at wildremediesshop.com and at $2.50 per serving, it's saving me a ton on Starbucks runs and supplement orders. Check out the links and promos in the show notes to get your own. Your adrenals will thank you. Hello, Corinne. I'm so excited to have you on the Wild Remedies podcast. How are you this morning? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Well, actually... I mean, I feel pretty great, but I have been awake since 3.30 this morning. So Why? I don't know. I just woke up and I was like, oh, okay, it must be like 6 a.m. or whatever. And I called out to Alexa and I was like, what time is it? And she's like, it's 4 a.m. And I was like, pardon me? Oh, my gosh. You're like, that's not what I wanted to hear. No. Well, and it's funny. I think it might relate to the conversation we're having today because I think it has something to do with hormones. It always does. Yeah, I know. We're kind of at the mercy of them sometimes, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, really excited to chat with you today. I saw one of your posts recently when you're talking about using cycle strategy to stay consistent with your health. Mm-hmm. And I love that as a topic of conversation for this podcast um, for multitudes of reasons. One, just for being for my own information. Um, <laughs> I recently got off of all the hormonal stuff not that long ago. So birth control maybe a year and a half, two years ago, and spironolactone, I got mm. off of this Do you spray. have PCOS? 
I've never been formally diagnosed, but I have okay. a lot of the symptoms. Um, okay, just because most people who do are, are put on that. So that's why I was asking. Totally. Well, I was put on it for another reason, um, for something called hyperaldosteronism. So oh, okay. my body, my adrenals produce a ton of aldosterone, which mm-hmm. like wax out my kidneys and my blood pressure and swelling and all this weird stuff. Um, so I've been focused on a different style of healing right now. But in the meantime, I have these hormonal symptoms and stuff kind of rushing back. I'm trying to be patient with it. Mm. But I'm sure you can imagine the hormonal acne, the weight gain, all of the things. Very, very frustrating. Uh, so it'd be really great to have a conversation today for because I know a lot of women, there's such a big conversation around birth control right now. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of women are wanting to get off of it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us have been on it for a very, very long time. Yeah. <laughs> and so getting used to your cycle again, right? And realizing that there's actually a lot of potential <laughs> in working with it. We have ebbs and flows and all of these things. And yeah, I've been learning so much. So I'm excited to dive into this topic with you. Yeah, I'm so excited. I love talking about all these things. And you know, you said you, you have to be patient, which is true. It does take your hormones time to balance out. But at the same time, if it's something that's persistent, it's just because it's not getting what it needs. So there's a balance between being patient and acknowledging that there's something you either are or are not doing that's not addressing the root cause of where these symptoms are coming from. Because once you do, it will balance out within about like three months if you are you know, doing targeted protocols. So there is a balance of you know, being patient, but also recognizing if it's going on for a really long time, it's for a reason. Hmm. Amazing. Okay. Well, before we dive into all that, uh, I want to hear about your background because it yeah. used to be a former high school teacher and yes. now you're a sort of holistic nutritionist. How, yes. how did that come to be? Yeah. So I was a teacher for nine years. Um, I taught Spanish and ENL, mostly at the high school. Um, I pretty much taught every grade over the years. Um, but I never really like loved it, loved it. I always knew I was going to leave at some point. I didn't even know why or when or what was going to happen. I just like had that feeling. Um, and then I started struggling with my own health issues. And that's kind of how I got into this world. I always had an irregular period since I got, I got my period when I was 15. It was irregular always for a full decade. I would get it maybe three times a year max. Um, and my gynecologist would always just tell me that as long as you're getting three a year, that's fine. Like it's not a big deal. As, you know, you're not insane. trying to get pregnant. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I'm three like, years. Okay. Yeah, three a year. I'm like, okay. Like, I didn't know any better. No one ever taught us differently. So, and I was young. So I'm like, okay, cool. Like, that's fine. Um, and then it went totally missing for two years. And in the midst of it, I also was experiencing a lot of digestive issues. I was really bloated and constipated, and I had monthly migraines. I had body rashes. I was gaining weight. Had facial hair growth. Like all these things were going on. Um, and I was going to all all the different doctors, neurologists, gastroenterologists, dermatologists, the gyno, like nothing. No one was putting any of the dots together. All my blood work always came back normal. Um, long story short, I do have PCOS, like what we just mentioned, polycystic ovarian syndrome. I was misdiagnosed without it for a really long time um, because my blood work wasn't off enough, quote unquote, for the doctor mm-hmm. to diagnose me. So anyway, um, I was not interested in going on birth control. I wasn't interested in any of the medications. So I just took it upon myself to do research and dive into it and start changing my nutrition. And once I did, I saw like insane results. And that's what sparked me for going back to school to become certified in holistic nutrition while I was still teaching. Um, And then in August of 2020 is when I fully left. Um, The pandemic happened, obviously, in March. And that's when... All of us, like teachers, were teaching from home, which was a joke that first year. No one knew what was going on. Like, we barely were doing anything. So, I had so much time. Um, that's when I built the business up and then finally left in August of 2020. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Well, I love yeah. that story about just taking your health into your own hands and being like, Yeah, you have to these days. <laughs> you do. You do. Yeah. I talk about on the podcast all the time. Yeah. I have a similar experience. My process has just been like much more drawn out. How, how long did this process take from you like figuring oh, out? A long time. And then like, Yeah, I did. Okay. Um, well, because I was doing it on my own. 
Uh, so totally. when you're doing it on yeah. your own, it takes a really long time uh, because you are just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. And, yep. you know, you don't really know what's going on. So I started diving into my health really like kind of dabbling maybe in 2014. Um, but 2016 is when I really started like going after it, went back to school and stuff like that. And then uh, it was two years later that I finally got my period back. Um, things were slowly improving as I was doing that. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, when you're trying to do stuff on your own and you're just like picking up pieces of the puzzle and seeing what works, what doesn't work, like obviously I was learning stuff through school. So I was doing it through that, but it was a two-year program. So anyway, yeah, it, it, it took a little bit longer than it, a lot longer than it definitely needs to take if you know what you're actually doing. <laughs> mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. Why don't we chat about what PCOS is? Because yeah. I know that it's like the term for it is kind of outdated because mm -hmm. it's oh, very outdated. <laughs> syndrome, right? But you yeah. don't necessarily have to have cysts on your ovaries. Correct. It's one of those things that's kind of like a blanket diagnosis, I feel, like fibromyalgia, right? Which is actually yeah. widespread inflammation. Yeah, it's it what it actually is is a metabolic disorder. Um mm -hmm. so it's a metabolic disorder and the name is it's misleading like you said because you don't actually need to have cysts on your ovaries to have polycystic ovarian syndrome. There are different forms of criteria, but um the Rotterdam criteria which is like more well known and most people follow that is you have to have two out of the three series of symptoms to be diagnosed with it. Cuz again it's a syndrome, so it's diagnosed based off of symptoms. So you have to have an anovulatory cycle, which means that you are not ovulating. You're not getting a regular period. Um, it could present itself as, you know, like me, I was getting three periods a year. It could, some people are just bleeding all the time, but not actually ovulating. Like there's so many different things that it looks like because a period is not actually a sign that you're ovulating. You have to track your ovulation. So that's one criteria that you are not ovulating. You're not getting a regular period. The second criteria is um, high levels of male testosterone, high Androgen levels that could be high testosterone levels on blood work, high um, DHEA, um, and symptom wise, that could present itself as acne, cystic acne on like your face, on your whole body, um, excess facial hair, excess body hair, um, losing hair on your head, hair loss, things like that. That's, that's like systematically what that would look like. And or um, cysts on your ovaries. Um, and it's, it's a lot of tiny little cysts because it's follicles that are not actually forming enough to burst to actually ovulate. So it's not the same as having like a cyst on your ovary, like a big cyst. That's a, that's a problem. It's different. Um, but that's the third criteria. So you just have to have two out of those three to be diagnosed. Hmm. Interesting. See, I find this frustrating because I would say I have one of those, but just one, right? So I'm getting the acne, right? I have hair around my temple that I have mm -hmm. hair, but it just won't grow. Like it's short. It's very strange. So to me, mm -hmm. it seems like there's an androgen issue, mm -hmm. um, but it might be related to something else. It's so strange. It's like it's yeah. all kind of well, the thing is that the all of those symptoms come from a root cause. Um, usually yeah. it's either – it's multiple things. It's usually inflammation, insulin resistance are the two major ones. Mm -hmm. um, it could also be HPA access dysregulation, which is what the like commonly known term is um, adrenal fatigue. So you mm -hmm. probably have some – because the inflammation is what causes the ovaries to produce more testosterone and things like that. So you probably have a root cause of inflammation. It could be a thyroid thing, which also inflammation affects that. Um, so it's always getting back down to the root cause. So obviously getting diagnosed with something is like really important and it feels validating to know what's going on. But when you really look at the body at the whole, as a whole, my approach is always just addressing the major root causes of all hormonal imbalances. So whatever is going on, it's going to get healed because you're, everything in your body is connected. And if you're working on the major systems that need to be optimized for your hormones to function properly, whether you have PCOS, whether you have low thyroid, which is a lot of times go hand in hand, whether you have endometriosis, whatever it is, obviously there's nuances. Um, but as like a blanket statement, there are so many things that you could do just overall in your body that's going to support all of those imbalances. Mm hmm. Yeah. I remember going down the rabbit hole and researching about the HPA access dysregulation. Um, pretty much everything that you stated seems to be going on in my body, but there wasn't just like one thing that I could pinpoint. So what I have been it's focused on- It's never just one thing. That's the thing. Because no. <laughs> yeah. everything well, in your body is connected. It is. Especially yeah. your so hormones. 
Totally. Absolutely. And so that's why we need to look for root causes. How do you Mm -hmm. do that with your clients? So I focus on the five major root causes of all hormonal imbalances, which is nutrient deficiencies, blood sugar dysregulation, inflammation and gut issues, liver stagnation, and um, nervous system dysfunction. So like HPA access dysfunction, like we talked about. And when you, obviously there's like, you know, an ideal order that you're doing things at so it helps maximize your healing process. Um, but th- those are the major things that you want to look at, your liver, your gut, your inflammation, your blood sugar, your nutrient deficiencies, and your nervous system. Um, and once all of those are on board, it's you're like smooth sailing. You're ready to go. Because what happens is, say your root cause is inflammation, right? It doesn't just stop there. Because if it goes unaddressed for a really long time, that's going to then affect your nervous system. And then that's going to then affect your blood sugar and your gut and your liver. It it just is a domino effect. So it's like if you have a line of dominoes, if you hit one, they're all eventually going to fall down, right? So it's not like we could just like spot treat and think that like, oh, I just have inflammation. Um, Because if it's gone, you could start off with that. And if you know right away and you heal it, like you're good to go. But if it's been years and years, which a lot of people it has, especially if you've been on birth control for a long time, it affects Mm -hmm. every single area of your body. So it just becomes this thing where we have to now address everything as a whole. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. And then so – how do you pinpoint which one it is and like where to get started? Uh, so it depends on the symptoms. Obviously, you could get blood work done, but that, again, I don't put all the weight on that because so many of my clients, as well as myself, it comes back normal um, because people don't know how to read the optimal ranges. It also depends on when you're getting tested in your cycle. But um, I look at it based off of symptoms. But most of the time when my clients come to me, they have symptoms of all of the above, right? Like there's a mix of symptoms from each root cause. So how to get started is obviously I have like programs and courses around this and stuff, but we could talk about that at the end. But how you get started is you, the two hormones that you want to focus the most on first are your cortisol levels and your insulin levels, um, which is your nervous system and your blood sugar, because those are the top two, like they're like top tier hormones. So if your cortisol level is off, it's like that first domino. It's going to affect everything else, including your estrogen, your testosterone, your progesterone, every, everything else. Same with insulin. So if you want to just like get started, I would start focusing on balancing out your blood sugar and supporting your nervous system. Those are like the two areas to start with because that's going to have a positive effect on everything else. And if those are off, everything's going to be off. Mm-hmm. And then what would be like your top tips to balance blood sugar? We've talked so, about this before on the podcast, but I'm curious to see what, yeah. what you work on. Um, definitely not intermittent fasting for a long period of time, <laughs> which I know is huge. Um, so that's always one that I talk about because the 16-hour intermittent fasting, all this stuff, like most of these studies that are done are done on men or post-menopausal women, not reproductive age women. Um, so that's also a stress on your nervous system as well, which is really cool when you do something that benefits one area, it benefits everything. So it's not like this only benefits my blood sugar. This only benefits my cortisol. It's like all in one. So number one is eating breakfast within an hour, 90 minutes max of waking up um, to stabilize your blood sugar. And when you are having that breakfast, making sure, and really with every meal, it's a protein, fiber, and a healthy fat combination so that you are stabilizing your blood sugar. And with that, um, making sure that you're eating before you're having any form of caffeine. A lot of people will wake up, they'll go two, three hours without eating, they'll have a cup of coffee in the morning. That is like the worst thing you could do for your blood sugar and for your cortisol levels. So the tip of eating within 60, 90 minutes of waking up, having your caffeine after breakfast, having a protein, fiber, and healthy fat with breakfast, that's not only going to support your blood sugar, but it's also going to support your cortisol levels because it's a stress on the body when you're going that long without food. Um, so it's going to cause your cortisol to raise up and to have to work harder. Um, same thing with caffeine. It's a spike in your cortisol level. You didn't even balance your blood sugar yet. So that those tips support both your insulin levels and your cortisol levels. I love that tip about eating before the caffeine. Yeah, that's huge. I think, yeah, I think that I've been focusing on recently. I read this thing that I just really resonated with where it was like, 
because I generally have energy when I wake up in the morning, right? So like your cortisol level should be naturally high. So yes. why are you having the coffee then, right? Like wait a little bit later in the day to have the coffee when maybe you're having a bit of an energy slump. I don't consume a whole lot. I'm sensitive to caffeine. So it's like, it's like a one shot, you know, Americano with all the herbs and stuff that I put in my morning coffees. Mm-hmm. Um, but still like it, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. The eating in the morning can be really difficult, but one thing that I've been doing recently that I absolutely love is I've been making these waffles out of protein powder, Mm. and they're kind of amazing. How come it's difficult for eating in the morning? Well, just to get like all of the different macros and stuff in there, right? It can just seem a little overwhelming, and I'm also not hungry in the morning. so That's a sign of a hormone imbalance, though. Yeah, that's what I was. I was waiting to see if you were going to say that. I didn't want to put that on you, yeah. so I'm like, let me just see yeah. if that's what she says. Why um, yeah. we should naturally be hungry in the morning um, because we haven't had food. Like if we're not, that's that's some type of an imbalance. So once you get back, like you, I'm like not saying force yourself to eat, but like wait an hour, whatever, and then eat. You you should naturally wake up with hunger. Um, so that is something that can you know work itself out, and it doesn't have to be super complicated. Like it could just be something as easy as um, you know rolled oats with a protein powder, two tablespoons of hemp seeds, and some berries. Like you got your protein, your fiber, your healthy fats. Like you're done. It could be a smoothie with mixed greens and berries and a protein powder and some uh, seeds or avocados, whatever, and that's it. Like it doesn't have to be super complicated. Um, we don't have to have like a of different ingredients in it. And just making things simpler is, you know, and you could even like prep them beforehand, like overnight oats or whatever, if you don't want to cook it in the morning, things like that. Like there's simpler ways to do it. Um, but it's like the most, one of the most important things you could do for your hormones. Totally. Yes. I am practicing. I'm working on it and I'm going to share for anybody listening. I'm going to share the recipe for these protein waffles because they're literally all the things that you just said. It's just like protein powder, chia, hemp. Um, What else do I put in there? It's super simple, but it has pretty much all the macros and it's awesome. I do a whole bunch of them on a weekend and I freeze them and then you just pop them in your toaster yeah, oven. super like, easy. Mango, but it's like healthy. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Great. Top some berries on there. Like you're good to go. Totally. Yeah. I do like a nice <laughs> little, yeah. I put my berries because I'm also trying not to have as much cold stuff during the winter time too. Yes. Um, same. That's why I'm doing oatmeal a lot because I am also in, mm-hmm. uh, I'm on Long Island, so it's freezing. Um, yep. So I try and do warm things as well. Yeah. Take the frozen berries, heat them up, make a, yeah. make a nice compote. Love it. Yeah. So good. <laughs> okay. Great tips. And the fasting thing too. Like I swear I destroyed my body doing intermittent fasting. Like uh, – Well, destroyed. that's what's recommended though. Like that's all you see. It's so crazy. of course people are going to try it. Um, yeah. And we think that it's going to work and we're like, why isn't it, this happening? Why are things going wrong? But no one ever talks about it. So yeah, it's, well, it's and huge. Like, you can see results, but I remember looking back to the time where I was fasting all the time and working out like crazy and all of the mm-hmm. things. Like I was running on fumes. Mm-hmm. I was, yeah, I was it's a not sustainable. Yeah, yeah the, like the anxiety and stuff was just mm-hmm. off the charts. It was mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, amazing tips for everyone there. Um, okay. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about the, the cycle strategy. I would love to hear what this means and how we can start working in this way. Yeah. So to start, we have to start with like our cycle in general is it's our fifth vital sign. So a lot of times we think it's just like our period, right? Like we think about our periods, the time that we're bleeding and like, that's it. But there's actually three other phases within our cycle because our hormones are constantly fluctuating. We don't have hormone levels that are the same every single day like men do, right? We have a um, a menstrual cycle clock where hormones change throughout the month as well as during the day during a 24-hour period. Men just have the 24-hour period shift, not a shift throughout the month, which is why a lot of the advice that's do- that's given for nutrition is great for men but not for women um, or you know females at birth. So what 
uh, for our cycle, it's our fifth vital sign, meaning that the whole kit and caboodle, every single phase of your cycle, which we're going to talk about, is just as important as your blood pressure, your body temperature, your breathing rate, and your heart rate. So if something is off with your period, if it's irregular, if it's missing, if it's painful, if it's super heavy, if it's super light, if you have a lot of PMS, like whatever symptoms are going on, that means like that's just like getting a sign that your blood pressure is high um, or that you're, you have a fever. It's it's letting you know there's something deeper going on. Um, so that's just like a little tidbit on that. And when we're talking about our cycle, what's most important is first having it regulated out before diving into like every single phase of our cycle. Because if you don't have a regular cycle right now, you're not going through all the phases all the time. So when I say a regular cycle, that means that from the day that you start bleeding, that's day one of your period of your cycle until the day before you bleed again, that amount of time should be between about 21 and 35 days long. I personally prefer my clients to be in the 25 to 35 day range, but what's most important is that it's pretty consistent, give or take a couple days. So it's like you always get it um, day 35 or day 32, day 33, around there, or you always get it day 25, 26, 21. Um, it's not like sometimes it's day 25, sometimes it's 40, sometimes it's 26, sometimes it's 30, like all over the map. Like that's what we don't want to see. Um, so that's just the cycle in general. And then as far as the phases of it, so then you can use this cycle strategy because our hormones affect literally everything in our body. They're chemical messengers that are flowing through our bloodstream. So they affect everything from your energy to your metabolism, to your skin, your hair, your immune system, your digestion, everything. Um, there are different things that are affected depending on which phase of your cycle you're at based off of where your hormones are. Um, that's going to shift how your metabolism is working. It's going to shift how balanced out your blood sugar is. It's going to shift your cortisol levels. So if we're just constantly working out the same, if we're constantly eating the same and we're doing the same thing every day and we're not honoring where our hormone levels are at, it's going to be a lot harder to stay consistent with what we're doing because we're not going to feel the same and we're going to wonder like, well, I had this salad last week and it filled me up, but now I'm starving after I eat it. Or I was able to do this really intense workout two weeks ago and now I'm dying. Like what is going on? It's your hormones. So the well, so we'll go through every phase. So the first phase, like I said, day one of your cycle is your period when you're actually bleeding. That's your menstrual phase. That should be about three to seven days long. Um, and that is, if we're thinking about it like seasons, that's like winter. So that's like when your hormones are at their absolute lowest levels. So your energy is going to be naturally lower. You're going to want to go more inward. This is a great time for you to slow down. You want to not over-exercise. You don't want to do anything like that. It's just like a really energy-intensive process that we don't take into consideration because it's just like so devalued in our society. But um, in other parts of the world, like women, like they don't go to work. Like it's like intense. Like they like simply rest on their cycle when they get have their period. Um, so anyway, this is when your hormones are at their lowest level. Your estrogen, your testosterone, your progesterone are all low. So you're going to feel different in your body. This doesn't mean that you should be totally wiped out and exhausted. Um, that is a sign of an imbalance, but you will notice that your energy is different. I'm pretty sure everybody who's ever gotten a period will know that their energy feels a little different when you have it. And it's for a reason. Um, and then you move into the follicular phase. Um, and this is like spring. This is when your hormones start increasing. So your estrogen and your testosterone levels start increasing to prepare for ovulation. Um, and because these are increasing, you're going to feel a drastic difference in your energy. And again, this is if your hormones are pretty balanced out that, that you'll feel these differences more, um, so you'll feel your energy is increasing. You're going to be able to handle more intense workouts. Your um, appetite is actually going to be a little bit lower and your blood sugar is naturally more regulated. So you can go a little bit longer in between meals. Um, you might be able to eat lighter foods and not and be fine and not feel like, oh my God, I'm starving after that um, because of the effect your hormones have on your blood sugar. So your follicular phase is the most variable time of your cycle because everybody ovulates on a different day. It's total myth that everyone has a 28-day cycle and that everyone ovulates on day 14. That's complete bullshit. That's not true at really? all. Oh, yeah. That's not true at all. Um, most people don't have a 28-day cycle. Um, like I personally always – I'm pregnant at the moment, but I always ovulated on day 21. Um, not everybody ovulates on day 14. It, you have to actually track it, which we can get into if you want to at a certain point to know when you're actually ovulating. So the follicular phase is the most variable time because again, everyone ovulates at a different time. And also your ovulation date can change each month because it's 
very affected by your stress levels. If you get sick, if you're traveling, if you're under eating, if you're under just a lot of stress, it will, your body will naturally want to keep you safe and feel like, oh, this isn't a good time to get pregnant because she's sick or she's traveling or she just got a shot or whatever. So like, I'm going to delay the ovulation because it doesn't seem like it's a good time for her to get pregnant. Even if you don't want to get pregnant, your body doesn't know that. So that's like why it can shift like that. So the amount of time for follicular phase is going to depend. Um, but after that, it goes into ovulation. Um, ovulation, the actual act of ovulation is just a 24-hour situation, but the phase of it could be about three to five days long. Um, and the fertile window is up to six days long. So you're only fertile five to six days out of the month. Um, it's impossible for you to get pregnant outside of that window, which is a whole nother situation why people don't need to be on birth control to track when they're fertile. <laughs> it's only five to six days. Men are fertile literally 24-7, so why don't they go on birth control? But anyway, um, so ovulation is when your hormones are at their highest. So your estrogen is peaking, your testosterone is peaking. You're going to feel such a surge of energy. You're going to be able to do a harder workout if you want to. Like you're just going to feel more magnetic, more excited. Your mood's going to be better. You're going to have more cervical mucus present. Um, I mean, there's so many details I can go into, but we'll just keep it basic for right now. And then you could ask me questions once I wrap this up. Um, and then after you ovulate, you produce the hormone progesterone. So now we have a whole new hormone on the scene. Um, and this is your luteal phase, which is the 10 to 14 days before you get your period. And this is like fall. So your progesterone levels are going to be naturally higher. Your estrogen is going to be slowly decreasing. And this is where a lot of people can experience PMS if they have an imbalanced level of estrogen to progesterone levels. Um, so you're Cortisol levels are naturally higher in your luteal phase and your blood sugar is more naturally dysregulated. So this is why it's really important to slow down your workouts, to not be doing cardio, to be adding in an extra snack, to reduce your caffeine, all of this, um, the 10 to 14 days before your period because of how your cortisol and your um, blood sugar changes. And then we go back to your menstrual phase. Interesting. I literally just took notes because I'm mm -hmm. in my luteal phase right now and I'm like, mm. oh. Okay. Interesting. Uh, I woke up at 3 a.m. and cortisol and the blood sugar dysregulation that I'm feeling a little bit right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Because also if you have low progesterone levels or dysregulated blood sugar, it can affect your sleep. So that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. This is super powerful stuff, you guys. Anybody a lot. that is listening. And what I like about this the most I, for years, ha have been so hard on myself because I'm like, why can't I produce like a man, mm -hmm. right? Like, why can't I just be normal every single day? Like, but how boring. <laughs> I guess. But when you're running a business and you're doing all these things, you know, like oh, I've been I get a it. and it's just, you have days where I just feel like I can't function mm -hmm. and it can feel really frustrating. But when you realize these things about yourself and there's a lot of magic in these phases too. Oh my God. Yeah. It's amazing when you tap into it. We didn't even get into how your brain changes and with like syncing with your business. It's like the best thing. It is, right? And mm -hmm. it's so frustrating that this knowledge has been kept from us for so long, right? Like yeah. this reclamation is so important for women. Mm -hmm. So, so, so important. And it's funny too, like when you mentioned how um, during some periods of the cycle, you're really hungry and others you're not. Like I mm -hmm. noticed that a lot. So yeah. since I started, you know, going off of all of the things, I started period tracking, mm -hmm. which I'd never done. So as soon as I stopped birth control and in the beginning, it was wildly all over the place. And I think this had a lot to do with spironolactone too. So I was missing periods um, or I was bleeding like at the end, like four times a month. It was getting really mm, crazy. Oof. Yeah. Went off the Spiro and it only took a couple of months and I started bouncing back and then I got super regular. Like Great. I'm the 28 day, 14 day, like the textbook, all of the things. Are you tracking your ovulation off. or is it just the app telling you that? Well, I can tell from like the cervical mucus. Oh, okay. And so, I can like just generally feel within my body and all the things, I think. Okay, so there there's a little that? caveat to that. Um, okay. So cervical mucus is not confirming ovulation. It's letting you know that you're approaching ovulation. Um, we The reason why we get the cervical mucus increase is – 
to because it, your estrogen levels are what produces cervical mucus. So that's why it increases. And also for fertility purposes, that's what sperm travels to the egg in. It's what keeps sperm alive, all of that. Um, but people could have this increase in cervical mucus, but never actually reach ovulation. People who have PCOS, this happens too often. Um, so in order to confirm, because bleeding is not a sign of ovulation, um, you could be having enough estrogen levels where your uterine lining is now shedding and you're bleeding. Um, so maybe it could be like if you're like really heavy bleeding or clotting or maybe spotting beforehand or light brown or whatever, like some excess estrogen symptoms. So you want to also, in addition to tracking your cervical mucus, you want to track your basal body temperature um, because that's what actually confirms that you ovulated. Cervical mucus doesn't confirm it. It's letting you know that you're approaching it, um, but it doesn't mean that you actually did ovulate. Um, so and also the day that you ovulate is important to know so you know how long your luteal phase is because you want to make sure it's at least like the 11 to 14 days. If it's anything shorter than that, then you you are going to have some low progesterone levels. So tracking your basal body temperature is really important. I have a whole podcast episode on that um, if okay. you want to direct your um, community to that. It's episode 123 of the Mind Your Hormones podcast. I dive into how to track your basal body temperature, what it's supposed to look like. Like it gets a little confusing for people. So I want to just have that resource there so it can reiterate what we're talking about. Amazing. I mean, can we touch on that a little bit? Because oh, yeah. I'm oh, yeah. I'll talk about it right now. I'm yeah. like, I didn't think that I would ever – that I would have to worry about something like this unless I wanted to get pregnant, which I don't oh. at this point. But Okay, yeah, so, so let me start with that. Cool. So the reason why we need to worry about that, even if you never want to get pregnant, is because when you ovulate, you produce the hormone progesterone like we've been talking. Progesterone is what holds on to and nourishes a pregnancy, but it also supports your metabolism, your thyroid, your hair, your skin, your nails, your stress response, your bones. It helps reduce your chances of getting osteoporosis and heart disease and endometrial cancer later in life. So it's extremely important to be ovulating as regularly as possible, even if you never want to have a baby. Um, so tracking your, and the reason why we can actually see that your basal body temperature changes is because of progesterone. So progesterone actually increases your body temperature. So what we want to look for is a spike in your basal body temperature. And we can't just use a regular thermometer for this. We have to get a specific basal body thermometer um, because it's goes to like the 10th of a degree. So you have to make sure it's it's a specific one. So you take your temperature every single day in the morning before you get out of bed, ideally around the same time every day, because your body temperature will slowly begin to increase You know, the later in the day as it goes. So you want to make sure that's around the same time every day. If you're someone that doesn't wake up around the same time every day, if you're a new mom, if you are a shift worker, if you just don't wake up around the same time, there are temperatures like um, thermometers like temp drop that that it's a it's an armband that goes on your arm. It's comfortable. It's like a cloth or whatever. And it it will track it for you. So it's more consistent because the timing is really, really important because it's so specific. So anyway, you take it as soon as you wake up, before you get out of bed, before you do anything, you roll over, you take your temperature. The temperature should be about 97 to 97.7 degrees before you ovulate. Now, some people generally have a lower temperature, and that could be like 96 to 90, you know, 6.7 range before ovulation. If it's any lower than the 96 range, you really want to get your thyroid checked out because your thyroid also um, supports your body temperature. So ideally, you want your temperatures to be around the 97 to 97.7 range in from the day that you get your period, day one of your cycle, until the day before you ovulate. After ovulation, you want to see the temperature increase about 0.5 degrees. So if you are have the 97 to 97.7, it'll increase to about 98 to 98.8. But the temperature has to stay that higher 98 to 98.8 at least three days in a row. If you just have one spike of it and then it goes back down, that doesn't confirm ovulation. It has to be three days in a row. Ideally, it'll stay higher until you get your period. Um, if it goes up and it stays high for three days and then it drops down, you still ovulated, but you have low progesterone levels and it wasn't really a strong ovulation. Um, so you want to see that shift and that's what's confirming your ovulation. So if you don't ever see that spike in your temperature, then you didn't actually ovulate. Okay. Is there an app for that? Um, yes. Yeah, so when you get the temperature, it, uh, the thermometer, it connects to an yeah. app. Cool. Yeah. So there's like temp drop okay. you could use, you could use natural cycles. You could just get one that's on Amazon. They all come with an app. Um, and it will track it for you. So you don't have to remember it. Obviously it just logs it all for you in there and everything like that. 
Okay. What does it mean if you are breaking out during ovulation? Um, so that could be from really high levels of either estrogen or testosterone um, because your estrogen or testosterone levels are naturally at their peak during that time. So if mm-hmm. you have them in excess amounts, that it could cause that acne to come out. So usually it's probably a excess estrogen, which other symptoms that could be related with to that could be migraines. Um, it could be breast tenderness in your luteal phase. It could be water retention, um, the mood swings. It could look like clots during your period, really heavy bleeding, cramping. Those are some other symptoms that could be associated with that as well. Okay. Oh, it's so complicated. Our bodies are so complicated, aren't they? Like, it's and not it's just- though. It's really not that complicated when you look at what is most important to focus on and when yeah. you make tiny shifts that are improving that root cause, right? So like there's all these symptoms and all these things and it looks like there's so many different things that are wrong, but it's going back down to one root cause. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be this like huge, crazy thing. It's just taking it one step at a time. And it's the major things that we're doing that we don't realize are harming our hormones, like not getting mm-hmm. enough sleep, over-exercising, under-eating, over-caffeinating, being you know bombarded by toxins, skipping meals. Like It's simple things that you can change that make such a huge difference. Um, so just like it, they can easily go out of balance, you can get them back into balance by just making like strategic changes. Obviously, mm-hmm you know, that involves you changing your habits, which isn't always the easiest thing, but it's also not easy to live in a body that has imbalances, you know, feel good. So it's just like, choose your heart kind of a situation. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So why do you feel that, because you were quite young when you discovered that you had all of these hormonal imbalances for you, was it like nutrition? Oh, it's everything. It's nutrition, lifestyle, supplementation, yeah. mental. It, most of the time, it's people get into it with nutrition. That's how I like entered the world um, because it's tangible. You could hold it, see it, taste it, touch it. It's easy to change. Per- personally, I think it's easier to change what you're eating than it is to change how you're thinking, how you're living your life, like those types of things. Um, so it's it's all of it. It's again, it's holistic nutrition in my philosophy. So yes, nutrition supplementation, lifestyle, your mental and emotional well-being. It's it's everything is connected. Um, so we have to look at the body as a whole because if you just focus on nutrition, it's only going to get you so far. You'll make great strides and you'll see results for sure. Um, but it won't get you as far as you can if you're also, you know, when you're also looking at supplementation and your lifestyle and your mental health and all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I feel like this is something that so maybe like, and especially young girls are dealing with right off the bat, right? Like yourself. Mm-hmm. Same for me. Like I, I think I started my period when I was 11. I was quite young. Wow. And by 14, it was like horrible cystic acne. The cramps were so bad. Like mm. it would just affect my entire body. Yeah. And right away it was like burn birth, on, control. birth control. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For so, so, so long. And it was really, really hard to get off of it. Really mm-hmm. hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I get that for sure. What yeah. do you recommend for support for women getting off of birth control? Yeah. Okay. Love this question. It's extremely important to prep your body before stopping. Um, because a lot of people, once they hear about the negative effects of it, of how it depletes you of nutrients, it negatively impacts your gut and your liver, it could, uh, could cause anxiety and um, low sex drive and depression, all these things. Everyone's like, get me off of it. Like, I don't want to be on it. Like, you know, your body's not actually ovulating. It's just turning off the communication from your brain to your ovaries, like all these things, um, which I'm with you. Like I want you to get off if that's what's in alignment with you as well. But if you don't prepare your body first, it's just like with any medication, but people don't talk about it with birth control. If you're on like anti-anxiety medication for 10 years, you would never just stop it without any type of preparation, right? You can, but you're going to notice that it's not going to feel great. So if you just stop taking birth control and you don't prepare your body with proper supplementation, with making strategic changes to support your blood sugar and your gut, like we'll talk about, I'll give you some specifics, then your body's just going to be like, what is happening? I, I don't, it's just, 
been damaged from the birth control. And now it also has to learn how to operate on its own without synthetic hormones. So what's really important is making sure that you're on a supplement protocol for at least four weeks minimum before stopping. Um, obviously, I have a training on this, but the most important nutrients to focus on are B vitamins, vitamin D, um, a probiotic, a multivitamin. You want to make sure zinc, your multivitamin should have zinc in it. Um, but you want to make sure that those are the nutrients you're really focusing on that are part of your supplement protocol because the, the pill specifically depletes you of B vitamins, zinc, um, and it affects your gut like we just talked about a second ago as well. So being on a supplement protocol is huge. And then making changes like we talked about not intermittent fasting, having the protein, fiber, healthy fat with um, every single meal, making these types of changes before you stop and you know, not just completely stopping is going to greatly increase your chances of regularly ovulating on your own quickly after stopping. It's going to reduce the amount of hormonal acne that can come back from stopping because it's a withdrawal from the, uh, the medication that you've been on. So, I mean, there's obviously, I could talk about this for a whole nother hour, um, but that's just, just for someone who's thinking about this. The a book, if you want a book on it, the book Beyond the Pill by Dr. Jolene Brighton is really awesome. I have a lot of episodes on this on my podcast too. I have a whole course around it as well. But if you want to just start like diving into some information on it, you could definitely check out her book about it um, because there's, there's a lot that goes into it if you want to make sure that you are preparing your body as best as you can before you stop. Mm-hmm. Okay. Amazing. I'm just thinking like, so there's different types of birth control that a lot of women are doing right now. Like mm-hmm. the most detrimental ones that I've noticed are, and I don't think, do a lot of people take the depot shot anymore? Is that even a thing? Yeah. I've yeah, clients that, like, that have taken it. I've like, I remember my girlfriends in high school just getting fucked up from that mm-hmm. thing. Oh yeah. People like, still take it. Oh God. I can't believe they still do that. Mm-hmm. That it's even allowed, that it's even legal. It's crazy. I know any of it, really, but I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, really frustrating. Well, I believe in people having a choice. Obviously, like I, I'm yeah. not like totally against birth control. I think that there's a time and place. I think that we should have a right to choose birth control. But I believe in having informed consent and going into it and knowing, like, hey, this could increase anxiety and depression. So if you notice these changes you know that it could be due to this. If you already suffer with anxiety and depression, you maybe want to you know, think about going on something else or thinking about naturally tracking your cycle for whatever. Like, There's just not a conversation around it. So I, I really feel like informed consent is, is what needs to happen. Totally. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So then what types of birth control, natural birth control, do you recommend? So obviously there's tracking your cycle. Is there anything else? I mean, you know. Yeah, that's, that's really but. the only like, natural way to track, way to prevent birth control, obviously condoms. But again, you're only fertile five to six days out of the month because um, you only ovulate one day and sperm can only stay alive in your cervical mucus for up to five days. So you literally cannot, that's why tracking is so important, which is why, again, go to episode 123 of the podcast because I go into more details about it so you can get more like comfortable with how to track it. And again, Natural Cycles is an awesome app for it as well to help support you in that. Um, it takes time. It's not something that you could just like get off birth control, start tracking once, and then like you're good to go and not take your risk of getting pregnant. It takes time for you to understand your cervical mucus patterns, to understand when you ovulate, to regulate your period out. But once you do and once you are able to track it, it's extremely easy to know when you're fertile and when you're not fertile. Pretty much the easiest way is if you see cervical mucus, like that raw egg white consistency cervical mucus before ovulation, you're potentially fertile because the sperm could again stay alive in that for up to five days. So when you see cervical mucus present, either abstain from having sex or use a condom. Like it's just as simple as that. Um, obviously, you know, the nuances of tracking and stuff, but that's what I recommend. I did it for years and years. Um, and then obviously once I knew the other, the good thing about it too, is it helps you prevent pregnancy when you don't want to get pregnant. And when you do want to get pregnant, you know exactly when to have sex. And if everything is balanced out, you'll get pregnant right away because you know when to have sex to get pregnant. Um, if you're just using an app that tells you, okay, now you're ovulating or using LH strips, like those are not accurate. They're not confirming ovulation. They're not telling you when you're actually fertile. So you can miss the window um, when you do actually want to get pregnant. So knowing how to track it is just so powerful in so many ways. Amazing. Yeah. I've learned so much from you in such a short <laughs> Good. period of time. Yeah. Good. Oh I know. It was a lot of information. <laughs> great. I love it. There's so much for people to, you know, 
take there's a lot that people can take from this and take a next step. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of that, if people want to connect with you, let's talk about your programs and all the things that you're doing to support women right now. Yes. Amazing. Okay. So like I said, I have my podcast. There's so much information over there. If you just want to start like binging and learning and just like getting into this world, it's called Mind Your Hormones. Anywhere you get your podcast, you could find it. I'm always on Instagram at Angelica. That's like my favorite social media platform. Um, and then as far as working together, obviously I do see clients one-on-one, um, but my like signature course that is really applicable to pretty much anybody who's listening who has a hormone imbalance. If you want to safely stop birth control, if you have an irregular period, if you have PCOS, if you have a painful period, um, if you have low energy, acne, all these things that we've been talking about, it's called the Mind Your Hormones Method. And it goes through all the five major root causes that we talked about, blood sugar regulation, your nervous system, inflammation, your liver, um, nutrient deficiencies. There's a module for each one. And it's pretty much your roadmap of living a hormone healthy lifestyle. So if you're like, I don't know where to start, this is where you start. It's just step by step by step of how you can slowly make changes in your life to positively support your hormones um, and address the root cause of them. So it's called the Mind Your Hormones Method. There's an option. You could get it self-paced. You could do it with coaching calls. You could join at any time. Um, I'm going to give your community a discount code. So you could put it in the show notes. Um, You'll get $222 off when you use code WILD. So if you want, you could put that in the show notes. But I just want to offer that for your mm-hmm. anyone who's interested in your community. We will. Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. Yay. Well, thank you, Corinne. I feel like we flew through that. At, we're not even totally at an hour, but yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> answered all of my questions, but oh, I still good. feel like there's lots to learn. I'm so excited yeah, I about that. I also have free resources too um, on my mm-hmm. website, Corinne Angelica Wellness, for anyone who wants to check those out too. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. All right. So for everybody who's listening, you know, the next steps, if this all feels aligned for you and thank you so much, Corinne, for coming on this morning. Thank you. you Thank you so much for having me. Everybody else did as well. Oh, good. I hope so. Thank you so much. Well, have an amazing rest of your day. You too. Thanks so much for sharing your time and energy with us today. We'd love to hear your feedback on how our podcast has impacted your life and are also open to suggestions for new and interesting topics. Please leave your comments with a quick review to help us grow this magical community of wellness warriors and light workers. Every month, we select one lucky reviewer to win our big magic box containing all three of our beautiful magic lattes. To connect with us further, check us out on Instagram at wild underscore remedies. Thank you again and see you at the next episode.